0: Hey New Orleans Pelicans fans, welcome back to Unfiltered Dunks with you guy Chris Dotson writing for Forbes Sports on the Pelicans and the Saints over at Music Movies and Hoops covering the rest of the NBA. Don't forget to go check out Music Movies and Hoops. we got a free giveaway going on. You can get a graded 9 mint condition Zion rookie card, it, free t-shirts, koozies, hats, totes, all kind of other stuff. It's great content over at Music Movies and Hoops. Check us out and, and, and get in that giveaway, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you want to go. Let them know Dodson sent you. Some of it's going to a good cause. You can check out other things that we're doing with cards if you're into that sort of thing by, again, following us on Twitter and Instagram, Music, Movies, and Hoops. Follow me, doing it, Dodson. Or if you're on Instagram, cards, underscore crest, underscore cleats. That covers just about all the sports. But, again, thank you all for coming back. Today we're going to look at, at desperation, not only within the Pelicans organization and the team, but around the league. So coming out of the All-Star break, the New Orleans Pelicans were looking kind of desperate as far as their playoff lives were concerned. They needed wins. They needed wins bad. There's only 30-something games to go, at, depending on when you listen listening to this. But they had three home games coming out. I mean, the first one was against the worst team in the Western Conference, Minnesota. and. Minnesota's got eight wins now. 25% of those wins have come against the New Orleans Pelicans. 50% of those wins, they didn't even bother playing Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. So this team did not show very much urgency. They didn't show they were desperate to win. They didn't show much pride in what they were putting on the court that night. Uh, Stan Van gundys he's losing a little patience. He's been calling them out more on not taking pride in their defense, saying that the team as a whole was more worried about a missed shot than they were, you know, a missed assignment. And that's not championship basketball. You can't be be missing shots and not getting back on defense. If you play in defense and holding the other team, you, you'll find your rhythm eventually. But if you're just letting teams run away from you, like Minnesota did, I mean, the New Orleans Pelicans got run off their own court. Thankfully, they showed a little bit more desperation coming back, beating Cleveland. I wasn't impressed. I wasn't impressed. I mean, come on. You got embarrassed, you gotta come back and beat one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference. They barely got even five, six winning teams gonna be in the playoffs. You got to come back and beat Cleveland. But I was a little bit more impressed by them coming and demolishing the Clippers. That's a little bit better of a win. Now, can they do that against Portland? Can they go on those two road games? Would this be I mean, this is really for this team, Zion, BI, this is the truest test of how this squad's going to gonna look versus the Drew AD squads a, as far as contention. They can go to Portland. If they sweep these two games, the worst they are is three games back of the 16. However, this team is probably, let's be honest, at least one more year away from true contention. Then you've got to deal with Utah and Denver, who look like they're going to be up-and-coming squads to deal with for years to come. Utah might finally have a, a, a squad that, that John Stockton and Karl Malone fans will flock back to. But, but desperate as the team may be, the front office was not. This, this this front office does not have to be that desperate at the trade deadline. I've seen there's already people on Twitter going toxic saying that even David Griffin needs to go. Trajan Langdon needs to be running the show. That, that people holding him back. Uh, that Stan Van Gundy's already just not connecting with this team. But he's only had like five, six practices. In the last few months, they only got 10 practices at this point going to Portland, uh, left in the whole season. If you look at the front office and why they're not desperate, starting with the coaches down. We'll start with the Pelicans team, and then I'll go over the whole the whole league with you. But in 18 months, this, this team will have another 100 games under its belt. Zion will have another four years, five years, you know, depending on how this team builds around him and his second contract. He'll still be in a Pelicans uniform. Ingram, after next season, will still be under the under contract for three years. If they need a new coach, it'll be okay. I hope y'all understand what I'm saying. If they need a new coach, they'll be okay. Stan Van Gundy was, in some people's eyes, a retread hire that was a little bit older, out of touch, and he'd been stuck in the media. They were also scared that he was going to not be able to be so outspoken once he was employed by an NBA team on social activist issues, and they were wrong about that. So we'll, we still get, get to wait and see how he connects with his team once he's got an off-season program that's not affected by the pandemic. Once he has multiple practices in a month, literally they've had one month where they had one practice and the rest was canceled because you can't go to Dallas and get practices in when everybody's having to quarantine after a game was canceled. I mean, how, how, how can you really build a team except in the locker room, on the road trips, uh, you know, just, just trying to bond as you all try and get this, through the, this tough situation together, and you're not even worried about basketball for a lot of it. And that shows up on the court some nights. Some, uh, but you cannot, you cannot look at these professionals and say they get a pass. Because there's other basketball teams and football team. That, that, there's other teams dealing with this, and they have new coaches. They've got new rosters. At this point, our rosters play together a few years. Uh, Hart, Bi, Lonzo, they've all been together. Zion's the most tenured, longest tenured player, but that core has played together while they were in Los Angeles and come over. So, Nikhil Jackson Zion. They this is going on their second year. I mean. Yeah, they didn't have as many games, but they were still around each other. They were still playing ball. They still were bonding. We've seen that on Instagram. So let's look at the bigger picture. We know that the the team is desperate. They want to play playoff basketball. It's within reach to get into the play-in series, no doubt. To get to the sixth seed will be a lot more difficult, obviously. They've put themselves in a hole, again, by losing two games to Minnesota. If they don't lose those two games, look where the team would be at. But you can't look back. You got to look forward. This team needs practice. We need a bigger sample size. But we can start anticipating a few moves to just shake up the roster. Uh, And since I moved over, I was at Pelican Debrief for a while. Then I moved over to Forbes and viewing the game in short segments just to watch long-term financials through the eyes of different teams and front offices around the league. I've started mapping trade proposals using a tiered system that I believe reveals the NBA's most desperate trade teams, especially at the deadline. And I learned a lot of this through watching David Griffiths move with uh, Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. At the end of the process, the most desperate team paid the highest price to achieve a championship goal. I mean, the Lakers got Davis and their ring, then Davis signed the contract extension. The Bucks got Drew Giannis, Giannis, I'm sorry, the Bucks signed Drew, and then got Antetokounmpo to sign a max contract, and they'll be chasing year, rings for years to come. The Bucks got Drew and Giannis Antetokounmpo to sign a max contract, they'll be chasing rings for years to come. Drew will probably re-sign in Milwaukee unless he just really gets an out-of-the-world offer from, from another contender. Uh, I think he, he's he got to chase rings for these last few years, and that's just what he wants to top off his legacy. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder used the same type of leverage and desperation to, to ransack the Clippers for young talent draft picks. Sam Presti just keeps winning trades with these desperate teams. Houston, Houston keeps getting picked on, and even if and that's even if John Wall works out. But John Wall will never be an All Star again if he stays in the Western Conference. I don't know if he can make it if he even went back to the Eastern Conference after his contract's up, and with a with a ticking hardened championship clock turned off, Houston's Houston just resigned to a middling fate for the next few years. So, looking at the most desperate teams, you got those lottery teams again, resigned to another rebuilding season. They all have parts worth sending off, maybe to a playoff bench, but not much better than that, unless they got huge, huge returns. And all of the teams that could give huge returns can't send draft picks back as well as talent. The Clippers, Bucks, Lakers, Nets, they have no more tradable draft picks. Basically, they spent all that that capital already. The Detroit Pistons. I mean, they're one of the Midland teams. They already sent Blake Griffin Packing to the Nets. It was a buyout situation. That's how it, that had to happen. There's not too many more buyout situations that are really gonna impact the championship race. And so just keep going down the list of, of teams. You got the Magic and the Cavs. They've got young pieces that'll want second contract soon. They haven't shown that it can work on the court maybe as well as Zion and Ingram have. But these these bottom feeding consistent lottery teams they're not going to want to shuffle the decks too much behind their their most recent rebuilds other teams you know the Atlanta Hawks they're flirting with a playoff spot but they came into the season two seasons away from expecting to win a playoff game they 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 built something behind Trey young that they thought was going to work and it hadn't quite worked out so they can they can they still have time to reset but they've also got time like the pelicans to wait Minnesota Timberwolves, they're on the other end of the spectrum. They've had Carl Anthony Towns on the contract for a few more years. But he's been there a while. He's starting to get antsy like Kevin Garnett. He's going to want to win. And he's, it's proven he, it can't be done in Minnesota at this point. Even when he got his best friend, it just hasn't worked out. Again, they have eight wins all year. And that's just, that's just. there's nothing else they can do with that roster, with that with that salary cap. They'll be under pressure this offseason, but not at the deadline, so to speak. Uh, So any move they make could just be another unforced error, really, that keeps that franchise from a winning record. We hope the Pelicans do not make those unforced errors that keep the franchise in like a a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh seed, and only maybe one of those years when you get the third seed. Do people really expect you to have a chance to upset one of the top two seeds now this is a Pelicans core that that needs to be the, the, the start of David Griffith's sustained championship culture that he preached about. They need to be in the in the conversation for the top seed, the top two seeds, the third seed, fourth always in the top four, hosting that first round playoff game. But again, those lottery teams, they're not desperate. If the Pelicans wind up being a lottery team, they've got so many options in the in the in the draft that we can't go over those in this podcast. But for most of the lottery teams, they're just literally waiting on that Cade Cunningham ticket to cash in. in the middle-of-the-road sellers operate with a bit more urgency. Uh, by definition, these are teams not not really bothering a contender in the playoff series. They're either way too young but might flirt with valuable playoff learning experiences like the Pelicans should, or they're probably way too old and only in line for one last prideful yet futile battle cry. We're thinking of the Popovich. Uh, they're already sitting LaMarcus Aldridge. They're thought that that's maybe the only other player that would make a difference on the buyout market, and that's why they're getting ahead of this so soon. Uh, but the Spurs, under Popovich, unless they really just bottom out, they're going to make the playoffs, or at least a play-in situation. I'd never put it past Popovich to win in that, that playoff play-in situation, but once they even made it to the 7th or 8th seed, they're not bothering anybody. We all know that. They know that. They know they're too old. They know that there's going to be a hard reset coming. Maybe that's when Becky Hammond takes over. Popovich moves up, moves out, and goes to retirement and, and, and starts his wine label. But as far as the middle-of-the-road sellers and what they could offer to the contenders, looking at the Pelicans, looking through the eyes, lens, spectrum of the Pelicans, they've fielded offers for J.J. Redick and Lonzo Ball already. That's been not only in the news reports and the 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 anonymous source and just Twitter leaks. I mean JJ has talked about this on his podcast that him and Lonzo joke about only the rumors that they're in while they're in the locker room. That that's just one great honesty. It it shows that the team's relaxed with and kind of resigned to their situation. They know that something's coming. JJ Met Reddick may never suit up in a Pelicans uniform again. But Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram will be expected to contend for a top six seed next season. I truly believe that. This year was finding about who was going to be on that team long-term. We always knew J.J. was not. If he could help us get playoff experience last year or this year, that's great. We're on the fringes, but he's surplus to requirements going forward. Might as well get an asset for him now. Lonzo Ball, he's improved lately. The team still has all the leverage as far as restricted free agency. But if they don't want to match an offer sheet that's just maybe going to be outrageous should Lonzo keep this up. I mean, he's the best three-point shooter on the team right now. We, th- He's shooting like we thought J.J. would shoot. Which French contender will want to add shooting for a draft pick and a young spare part and get Redick, and which team might want to push the chips all the way to the middle of the table and bring Lonzo in and and, and, and to me, take the risk that Lonzo is ready for that situation, that playoff experience, that spotlight Uh, perhaps maybe a year before him and the Pelicans are ready. So I don't know if those two correlate between the individual and the the collective. But, I mean, let's look at it it through Zion's prism. Zion's not ready for playoff basketball. Uh, I know that might be a hot take to some, but his defense would get picked apart so badly that whatever he provided on offense, uh, it's still not going to make up for it because the mistakes, turnovers, the intensity, that – He's ready for that as far as being a star, but his talent on both sides of the basketball is not there yet. He needs another season of seasoning on the defensive end. He needs to watch more tape. Uh, the same goes for Ingram. He he is ready for playoff basketball. He's starting to play the defense that, that really carries a team over the top. However, him trying to fit in in the middle of the – Middle of the last 20, 30 games, plus a play in the series. He could play basketball with anybody, but it wouldn't be the best basketball. And one, neither Zion or Ingram are on the market. We all know that. I'm just looking at it in that in that perspective. So moving forward, the Dallas Mavericks need to find somebody to help Luka Doncic, need to help space the floor. Chris Stapps-Porzingis can only do so much because he's only on the court so much. J.J. could maybe help Dallas if they want to give Luka a boost in the playoffs and see if he can't just get hot and carry a team, much much like, say, Jimmy Butler helped carry the heat, Dirk carried the Mavs for so long. They, they might just think all we got to do is get in and we can make a run. So I don't think they're too desperate. I think they know they're going to make the playoffs either way. It just depends on how much ammunition do they want going into a seven-game series. And also, you got to think Cuban's pride might keep him content to wait it out until next season. Luka, KP, and whatever free agents come to Dallas might be enough to win a playoff series next season once once we look at how teams are going to be contending. Luka's Luke been a pro for close to a decade, it feels like, but he's still only 22 years old. Moving and looking at the Eastern Conference, you got the Bulls, Hornets, New York Knicks. They all fit in this category, whether these teams want to admit it or not. And that's looking at Julius Randle in New York. Quick glance over at Levine dropping 40 on Lonzo's head. Uh, And now we're looking back at New York. I remember I just forgot about the Kings because everybody forgets about the Kings. But put them in this category with the exception of the hashtag FreeBuddy. But yeah, New York, you fit in this category. Julius Randle's only going to carry you so far. The Bulls, the Hornets, I love because they've got LaMelo. But we all know that they've got a nice record but they don't have a nice playoff roster. They, they're years away from contending with LaMelo. The Bulls, Levine's not dropping 40 on everybody. In this group, you have, have the Washington Wizards, who are the, they have the biggest prize in basketball, and Bradley Beal. They don't feel desperate to move Beal, but they should start getting impatient if the offers fall below the AD Drew Harden comps. That came in through the through the previous trades. Bill sh- probably shouldn't fetch as much as Davis on the open market, but he should net a similar return, if not greater return, than Drew. If if again we just look at the first two Pelicans players, or you know the sandwich it between the two Pelicans players. But Bill is won just as much as Harden individually, minus uh, that one NBA Finals meltdown that Harden went through. The teams in the four through eight spots are probably not winning a title as constructed, but they still. They, and they still might not compete, even if they traded for Bradley Beal. The Nets, I mean, they're, they're favorites for a reason. Look at the talent. There's super teams out there that that they're going to be tough to beat no matter who you bring in. The Golden State Warriors fall on this. They need Klay Thompson back to even be taken seriously. The Spurs are functionally sound, but they'll be playoff half cadavers at this point, even if they make it to the second round, which is highly, highly unlikely. I, I doubt now that they've shut it down, they squeak into the top fifth or sixth seed. But say Golden State made a big move and had Curry and Beal and and maybe even a, a 80% Clay Thompson. Do we really think they're going to challenge the Clippers or the Lakers? I, I don't think so. You should probably put the Pacers in here. They The Pacers probably just sell the farm out, out of Indiana instead of swinging for the fences. And the Toronto Raptors fall here. They can leave this lost season in Tampa Bay. They have the right front office and roster to remain patient until the right moves presented. Like Pascal Siakam, he'll be there for years. They've got nice pieces. I've got no 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 worries about Toronto maintaining their level of consistency and championship operations. Much like David Griffin wants to build here, uh, they did so with Kawhi. They're set up again. There's no desperation at all from Toronto. But now we look at more of the, the, the fringe contenders that are really flirting with a top four seed. So you can't doubt the point guy, Chris Paul. He might finally have the help he needs and Devin Booker and the rest of the second place, Phoenix Suns. He won't have to beat every good team in the West to get to the NBA Finals. He'll just have to beat, have to beat the last one standing if the Suns get the right playoff matches, matchups, the right home court advantage. Uh, the Suns have the assets to make a move for a complimentary piece. But I don't think they have the right right package to make a move for, for another star like Bill per se. Uh, the Celtics has constructed – still got to prove themselves. They've fallen short too much. They've taken steps back. However, they don't seem to need to make drastic moves unless it is for a, a Bill or an Aldridge. So how much of the future would they have to be sold off for them to win now? And what could they even win now going through, again, Boston? Unless they get hot, they'd have to go through Brooklyn – and a Philly, you know, so or Milwaukee, and I'm not sure Boston's built for that. They've shown they've shown me nothing, so they gotta they gotta prove it first. Now uh, the Utah Jazz and the 76ers probably also fit in the French contenders. The 76ers, yeah, they were they were four Kawhi bounces short from the finals, uh, but they still they they fallen short. There's always been questions around Simmons and Embiid. They've really got to show it, but now they've got a, a proven coach with rings and Doc Rivers that, that they believe is gonna help them to the top overall seed and also to 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 the NBA finals and a championship. However, regular season you know, having the best record in the regular season don't mean much. It it doesn't mean much if you sit in first place at the all-star break. You can ask the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis what that's worth every June for the last few years. Now you can now, but let's move to those overwhelming favorites that are keeping those teams from proving it year in and year out. The, the bet on the finals appearance favorites are the Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers, they, they've got the talent to repeat. They've got LeBron and AD. That's all you really need. Uh, fill out the roster with something half capable, warm bodies with a temperature somewhere in the 90s that's got NBA talent, and you'll get there. LeBron's proven that. He may not win the finals, but bet on a finals appearance favorite, you have to keep that. That's on LeBron. Kawhi. Kawhi's load management PG-13 ain't really proved it, but we'll get there. Uh, the Nets aren't so much dis- desperate at this point to make a move, say, as much as maybe the Lakers. They, they could use a little tweak, uh, but the Nets, have, have they've already added Blake Griffin. They're, they're not desperate so much as they've as Kyrie Irvin has said, they're just disinterested in the best record. They're only getting ready to figure out the best way to navigate playoff basketball. You know, regular season is just a paper ring, and Kawhi's are, or Kyrie's already got his. He wants another one. KD wants another one. So any desperation to make move by the Nets was negated with the Blake Griffin move, even though he is 479 years old in basketball years. And that gets us to Kawhi and PG, the most desperate team in the NBA, Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers have to make a move for at least one Reddit caliber player because maybe even get, they might have to gut the entire roster behind Kawhi and PG after this. Even Maybe do that already for Bill, Carl Anthony Towns, Sabonis, somebody. somebody. If not, they paid a ransom for a busted Paul George. A fresh off a championship in content Kawhi, and not even full two, a full two seasons of ticket revenue to make up for the playoff shortcomings of this, this Clippers team. The Clippers have got to get an NBA Finals appearance out of Kawhi. That's why they're the most desperate. You can smell the desperation the more you ponder it. So can other GMs. The Clippers have little to nothing in the way of draft capital, and the roster is already top heavy. How much can this team do to win a championship before Kawhi not only turns 30, but also becomes an unrestricted free agent again next summer. It seems they need to do a lot, and it still might not be enough to topple the Lakers or the Nets. All those moves, and not even a conference finals appearance, so little time, so much still to do, and that's just the Clippers-flavored desperation dripping off Steve Ballmer's forehead. And that is the unfiltered dunk ending to the most desperate team going into the NBA trade deadline now looking through that prism I'll give you another quick five minutes if you stick with me we want the Pelicans are at least one more year from contention in the Eastern Conference I said the Hawks were two years away from being a year away but let's look at it let's go down the list real quick Utah and Denver Utah and Denver aren't getting free agents to come their way and then we're not sure if they even going to work out as constructed. And then I'm not sure their top two, their little tandems with Jokic and Murray and all that, it, that's that's not going to be good enough to beat Zion and B.I. Now, keep going down the list. LeBron and the Lakers, He going to be 40. A.D. is soft. I think Ingram will be able to handle A.D. in a year or two. And if A.D. wants to bang down low with Zion, I'm pretty sure everybody in New Orleans will welcome it. Then you got Phoenix, Chris Paul, again, pushing 40. Booker Aiton, I don't think either one of them two is going to give as a tandem, as a a top two duo, they're not giving Zion and B.I. problems. The Clippers, PG-13, Kawhi pushing 30. PG-13, Paul George, he got more busted shoulders than I do, and I've had five surgeries. So I don't think they really going to bother us. Portland, Dame, CJ, too old in a couple years, too small, forever. We've already proven that with the Pelicans sweep. The rest of the league is proving it, and I'm really hoping the Pelicans can go up there this week and get two wins and show that because because this is a Portland team that they brought a couple players back, and this is their conference finals squad for the most part. Uh, Keep going down the list. The Spurs breaking up. Pop's going to retire. They're getting old. They don't really have much that they're going to build on unless you really believe and White, Murray Jr., Keldon Johnson, uh, they're not going to top Zion and B.I. Not going to happen. Josh Hart can lock that up. Dallas, Luca needs help. Kristaps is always hurt. Free agents, for as good as they talk about how Dallas and Mark Cuban treat them, they really don't sign down there for too long. So we'll see how that works out. Golden State Warriors, Curry, Old, Clay, Busted. Uh, uh, are we going to really believe in Wiseman and Wiggins? I don't think so. Memphis Ja can't beat Zion. The Pelicans have beat Memphis in every game since that draft. So until something else happens, I'm gonna believe we can take them in a seven-game series. No matter how they build around Ja and that young core, and also the Pelicans. And I, I just got more faith in our front office and more more faith in the talent we already have in house long term. Uh, the Kings. We've already forgotten about the Kings once. We'll forget about the Kings again because they are the Cleveland of the Western Conference and the NBA. Uh, Free buddy healed. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, uh, just come on. The Sacramento Kings ain't bothering us. Houston, even if John Wall works out, they ain't got much help to put around him. No way to do it. Bad ownership. Not going to pay the luxury tax. Not worried about it. Minnesota, about to blow it up with Carl Anthony Towns, even though he's got three more years on a contract. Uh, He's going to ask out. They're going to get a Kings ransom for him. Uh, with two years left, the team's gonna pay a lot in far as far as draft capital for him. The Pelicans might be your dark horse favorite for Carl Anthony Towns trade. If you ask me, that he would be a perfect fit around Zion and, and Ingram. And that 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 that's just a move that I would love to see the Pelicans at least explore, if if not this trade deadline this off season or next. But we'll see where it goes. That's 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 your rundown of the Western Conference. The Pelicans should be in the top three or four in the next one, two, three years because every other team is behind them either on the developmental curve up or they're already heading down. So keep it holding down, New Orleans. Thank you for coming back. It's been a nice half hour for the Unfiltered Dunks podcast. Get at me next time. Do it at Dots on Twitter. Cards Crest Cleats on Instagram. Follow us at Music Movies and Hoops for the free Zion card giveaway. And enjoy the sunshine we getting, baby. Hey, Pelicans fans. Thanks again for coming back and listening to the Unfiltered Dunks podcast with me, your guy Dodson, over at Forbes Sports and Music Movies and Hoops. Just had an article come out. This profiling of your the guy that did some stuff for Josh Hart shoes. They're both cut and sew. Uh, you know, they're both on the cut and sew roster. So go check that out. Support your people. And uh, go check out Music, Movies, and Hoops on Twitter and Instagram. We're giving away a graded Mint Zion Williamson rookie card. You know that's something going to go up in value. We got some shirts, some other some other uh, cards for you. So give us a five-star review. Go check us out. Leave a comment, and you are automatically entered into the contest to win the cards. You don't have to do anything else. But we do appreciate you checking us out. Thanks again.